And I'm joined back again on another episode of the WNL show by two absolutely fantastic ladies who cover the Women's Super League in the UK, Sophie Downey and Rachel O'Sullivan. Ladies, you're best known for Girls on the Ball. Thanks for coming on to join us today. Thank you for having us. Very excited. I guess we'll just start off a little bit about yourselves. Um, A massive milestone in the last week or so is eight years together as a partnership working on Girls on the Ball. What an achievement. Uh, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey, I think. Eight years, I mean, the game has completely changed in that, in that time um, frame. We've done a lot of football in that time frame. And I mean, it really has come on leaps and bounds and just gone to a whole nother level compared to what it was when we started. Yeah, I think we often look back at when we first started in 2012 and just, I don't think we ever imagined it would be where it is now. And while there's still lots to do in women's football, I don't think we expected it to to kind of move as quickly as it has been moving around the world so yeah it's been it's been a journey i'm going to give a quote off your website over thirty-two thousand miles average a year covered to watch football <laughs> yeah, yeah maybe not this year though <laughs> uh yeah but that is that's been uh we've ticked off some mad places haven't we? yeah we've been it's been we've been really lucky we've gone all over the world pretty much mm. um uh, gone to places that we would never really go to um like kazakhstan belarus <laughs> I mean, that wouldn't probably be top of my list um, in terms of when you think about holidays and stuff. But yeah, no, it's been a real, real adventure and we've got some great memories, um, met some great people uh, and also developed our skills along the way, which I never imagined. Yeah, I mean, both of us are in the jobs that we're in because of Girls in the Ball. So that's been, that's quite a result as well. Obviously, with yourself there, Rachel, the Irish, you can hear the Irish accent in the background there. But you've been really, you've been really adopted in by the by the English people. Like you can even see, there's a picture of Phil Neville presenting you with a, a jersey when you got the hundred England game that you attended. Like, you've been really taken in by not only fans, players, officials, everybody. Your channel's just become, I wouldn't say UK now, it's become a worldwide now at this stage. I mean, that's nice to hear, but yeah, no, I've definitely, I've, I've really loved, I've been living over here now for nearly nine years, I think it is. Um, obviously, Ireland is still very much my home um, and I, you know, will always support Ireland over anybody, sorry. Um, but I think the Lionesses are probably one of the few English teams that I, I happily wear the jersey for. Um, and I think that's something to do with women's football, the fact that you feel like you feel you get to know the players, you get to know the teams and, you know, you follow them week in, week out in club and so it makes it very easy to follow the Lionesses and yeah it's been really nice to see kind of some of the appreciation people have been really lovely and welcoming and um, yeah definitely something we'd like to keep going that 100 jersey was, um, was a nice moment wasn't it? And especially framed and all it was, it was a beautiful it was a beautiful thing to be given but like just in terms of like you say you travel the world um, obviously this year's European well next year's European Championships are being put back a year for us and over here in Ireland the one thing that we we haven't got to a major competition in women's football yet but this is probably our best opportunity to get there you look at where it is it's right on our doorstep it's in the UK this is probably the chance that even we've been waiting for to to break out in terms of world football because even our league is sort of it's grown it's stagnated it's grown you know but this is probably the opportunity. If Ireland can make a, Europe, a world a European Championships in England, it's probably the biggest boost that it could give to the women's game. Because we've seen what happened when England went so far in the World Cup in Canada, like the boost that the, the likes of the WSL got off, even with the women's game in general. Yeah. I mean, that, that tournament, I think, changed it. I think the Olympics changed it massively. But I think that tournament 2015 and doing so well for England just changed the whole landscape. And suddenly it just skyrocketed. And I think... 
for you over in Ireland getting to the European Championships? That's just going to, that's a different, changes the whole, everything. Yeah, I think that the th when we were in Canada, you didn't really realise the impact it was having. I had to come home earlier than she did. So I had to come home before the semi-finals. And I remember messaging her and being like, it's, it's huge over here. Like, I don't think we realised you're almost in a bubble. Whereas if, if Ireland can make the Euros in England, you can really bring that, because, you know, Ireland has the best fans in the world. So you can really bring that cohort of people over and it just gives that extra level, it feels like. It won't, they won't just be in a bubble if they make it over here. They'd actually get, like, fans around. And I think we've seen, with, particularly with women's sport in the last year, 18 months, there's been, you know, the coverage has definitely increased. Again, there's always more that can be improved on, but I've definitely noticed an increase in the coverage of, of women's sport, particularly around, like, the women's hockey team or the 20 by 20 campaign, you know, the rugby team, stuff like that. You're seeing them getting the, the space in, in newspapers. Um, and so hopefully if they could achieve that result of getting to a Euros, you know, it could be massive for the game. Like even, even you just look at the, the World Cup, the last World Cup, England, it was massive over here. You know what I mean? Even a lot of Irish fans will in England to do well in the World Cup. Like, you know, because you sort of got that sense that you got in behind, you got, you got to see a lot more of them the way even behind the scenes sort of stuff. Like you've even seen some of the videos you've done, they liked the, I think it was, was it Jordan Nobbs, the questions where you're doing, you know, you're giving the questions out to them and they're trying to pick the players, stuff like that. And like the FA, FA made a massive effort to promote that, that competition for them, you know, by having the, the media days and stuff like that with them. Yeah, I thought they, they did a great job. I was, I was really proud. It's something I always bring up uh, about Ireland having actually showing the World Cup on free TV every game. Like, that was more than was done here. Like, I know all of the England games are shown here, but, you know, a lot of the games are kind of on the red button, whereas in Ireland, they were on the, on the TV and, you know, my, my parents were glued to it, even though they try and pretend like they don't like them. Um, but, uh, yeah, the effort they made, I think, media-wise was great. They did, like, every day they had live videos. Yeah. You know, there was they, they, they did try and think outside the box. Yeah, from the Lionesses' point of view, I mean... They treated it as the biggest tournament and with the same respect that it should be given as they gave kind of to the men, I think, in 2018. Mm. Um, I think it really propelled it to a new level and it just brought it to different households. And you saw it over here, like you saw the crowds at Glastonbury watching, you know, watching the England game and it just captured the hearts of, of people. And I think that is just that visibility, isn't it? It's that kind of, if you put it on, on live TV, people will watch and people will start to, to become sort of engrossed and engaged with it. Yeah, particularly around a competition like that, you know, you get that kind of your team, follow your country kind of thing. And I think I remember we wrote a, we both wrote a blog together about how both of our parents had come to, even my parents went to an England match in France, which is like massive. Your mom had never been to a football match. She went to an England match yeah. in France. Like there was huge strides made, it felt like. And we got a lot of responses from people saying, you know, my family or my brother or my mom have all started watching now and they're really invested. So, yeah, hopefully they can capitalise and keep that momentum going despite the, the break we've had in football. Yeah. Like, I'll give you a funny one now, like, because I can go to games where a lot of people can't, like, my little sister's asking, can you not just bring me to the game with you? Can you not just bring me to the game with you? Because, like, I'd bring her to watch the Gaelic football with me to watch the dubs. We'd go watch the Dublin ladies. I'd bring her to soccer games with me. But now, because can't go to anything, there's no Gaelic football, there's no ladies football. So the soccer's like, can you not just bring me with you? Can you, you can get me in, you can get me in. And I'm like, under normal circumstances, I'd be like, yeah, no problem. But under these, I'm like, I can't even get... I can't even get a second person, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Like, I tried to get someone into a, a game yesterday, and I had no success, although, you know, whereas normally it'd be, yeah, no problem. And everything, everything's just, it's so strict at the moment. Like, 
I think yeah, the games I was at yesterday, there was only a handful of people at them, you know, and it's it's a weird time that we're in, but I do think, I do agree that, like, even the fact that we had that on free-to-air TV over here, whether it be on RTE or TG Car, it was either in Irish or it was on normal RTE, but, you know, like, even things like that, that's a massive step forward, and I know this is going to go out on Monday, and we're talking on Sunday, the Champions League final is on this yeah. evening. First time ever, free-to-air on RTE television. Yeah. We've got Stephanie Roach, Anya O'Gorman, and Ruth Fahey, in the, three women in the on the panel for... Well, Ruth is on co-commentary and the two girls are on the panel as well. So, like, that's massive, you know, first time ever. That's breaking boundaries again. And, like, I don't think over here we don't, we, the coverage probably isn't as good in terms of our league as it should be. But, you know, when we're bringing things like this, we're bringing eyes in. Because when it was announced the other day, the tweets were going mental, yeah. you know. People are like, actually, this is available. Well, we can have it, you know. And I think that's the sort of the first step. Like, we're unlucky that, the Women's National League, unless clubs stream the games themselves, there's no yeah. opportunity at the moment to really have them. Like you look at that yesterday, Shelburne streamed their game at Wexford. P-Mount couldn't stream their game against that loan. So it meant that only the people in the ground could watch the P-Mount game where the Shelburne game against Wexford had a good response. Wexford stream all their home games. Galway stream all their home games. Other clubs are looking into it. But like, even even if we talk men's football for a second, we, this is the first season that we've had. We've a, a, a program now called Watch LOI, an online website that streams every League of Ireland game. We didn't have that before. Yeah. So, you know, by getting that first step there, people are now starting to clamour, can we have the women's coming onto that next? And I think that's the sort of thing that you're looking at about building. It's all about building foundations. Like we've seen over there, over in the UK, it started off with a lot of, some clubs didn't have men's teams. Men's teams didn't have women's teams. Where yeah. now you're seeing more and more coming in, like you look at United coming in the last couple of years, more and more putting more money into it because they see the value in the women's game. And I, th I think it's great that it's growing so much. Like I got a lot of enjoyment out of it. I wouldn't cover men's football as much as I, I used to, but then again, I'd cover more women's games now than, than I did. And you get more enjoyment out of things like that. Like I can always approach players. I can approach the likes of yourselves and say, listen, I want to do this idea. And people just jump at it because they see it's another avenue of exposure. Yeah, and it's, it's all about that. And um, it, it's just, I think, I mean, I'm a big fan of the men's game as well. But I mean, I, I really believe in that they have two different qualities and um, it, 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 they both deserve to have their own, you know, exposure and their own sort of parapet to stand on. Um, and for, for the women's as well, they should never be in the shadow of the men's game. It should always be able to stand on its own and go, you know what, we have such a good product now, especially. Um, it's getting better. Um, yes, I mean, there's been a long, long road to it. And mainly, well, over here, I mean, the FA, you know, banned women's football for a good while. So we're playing catch up, as it were. But I mean, you've seen the strides that have been made over the last, what, 10 years? Well, even closer than that, six, mm. four years. Um, it's really taken it to another level because the investment, the training, the specialty coaching is there. Um, and it, it's just brought it on. So it's, it's showing that you can have a really good product and it can stand on its own feet. Yeah, but also it takes time and like clubs that are investing in women's teams because they're currently seeing that it's a, that they could get something out of it. it. It can't just rely on that. Like it will take a couple of years for clubs and women's teams to become financially viable and like give money back into the club. It is a building process and it requires that investment from a club 
that they should have a women's team because they should have a women's team, not because they're like, oh, maybe we can make a few quid here. Like you should have women's teams. Yeah. It's going to take a while when you, like you touched on having the ban, like some of these men's teams have been going for years and years and years. And you know, you, you need that kind of base to start getting the money back in from it. So it's a process, but it's definitely moving faster. Yeah. Know. I think in our current society, we like to have results overnight. So mm-hmm. I don't know, if someone creates a woman team and you want them to be successful straight away and bring in lots of money and, you know, be everywhere. And it just doesn't happen like that. And you've seen over here, there are some valid criticisms, but I think also you've seen with the, the likes of Brighton, Reading, you know, they're building those foundations from coming up from the lower leagues. They've built it really slowly. They've built it well and they're making themselves stronger year on year. Um, to be able to maybe hopefully push up the table this season. Yeah, and then you means you're you're lasting much much longer because what you don't want, which has happened in the past, is that you know things get a club might get a little bit financially unstable and their first move is to cut the women's team. You know, and we shouldn't we should be able to have women's teams like you want them to stand on their own. They you want them to be able to move on their own, but also you need that buy-in from the the club. So I think the way that those clubs you've you touched on, Reading, Brighton, have done it. Is, is it going to be a really strong way and hopefully a model moving forward? Like you look at over here, like Bohemians have come in this year mm. um, for the first year into the Women's National League. They, they fought hard to get into the league over here. But they're telling me, every time I speak to them, I'm good friends with the, the assistant manager. I know the manager quite well. They're telling me it's a three-year project. It's a four, It's a three-year project. It's not a, we expect this, we expect that. But like, if you look at Bo as an, as an example, the men's club, the club itself is 130 years old coming up in the next couple of weeks. They put banners up around the area yesterday or the day before, and they've on two of the banners they have the women, you yeah. know, and they take pride in now having the women's team actually in the club, you know, and like you look at um, they got a, you probably seen the news that Matt Doherty is signed for Spurs from Wolves, yeah. so they're they're due a one point five million pounds ten percent sell on clause from oh, when, from when Matt signed for Wolves and Bowes. So, like, even things that can be you, – you could potentially see an investment in into the women's side. Like, I, I talk to the, the, man, the, the management quite regularly, and they're, like, they're telling me that the club have plans that they, they don't want to just leave it, that it's just a women's team. They, they want to push it on and do things that aren't being done. Like, over here, this will probably surprise you. It was in the newspaper quite recently, but it happens quite a lot. Some players over here in the Women's National League still have to actually pay registration fees and stuff like that to play football at elite level. Like it's it's disappointing, but I understand because the clubs just don't have the the financial viability. Like you look at you look at in the last two or three years, Shelburne went from being Shelburne ladies, they actually merged fully with the men's side. Cork City have done something similar. Wexford Utes, they're two different clubs. It's Wexford FC for the men and Wexford Utes for the women. So there's a you know, there's a little bit of gaps in there, but that's the sort of thing that we're looking to to now potentially close over here. But like the first time I went to a, a WSL game was it was actually a champion. Uh, it would have been WSL two at the time. It would have been when Grace Maloney was on loan at Aston Villa, mm-hmm. and even just then, you know they were playing in a non-league ground. Aston Villa quite quite a good few fans at the game. They were playing Yeovil, and I was just looking. I was like, I was in, I was I was in awe a little bit of it, considering where we were at that stage in the league. I think it was must have been four years ago. And you're looking at so much, even at a WSL two side, it was so much professional. Everything was done so well. You know, it was it was it was mental, and over here, like it's taking a lot. It takes a lot of time 
Like our biggest problem is that we don't have stability in terms of the league. Like we've nine teams this year, one dropped out last year with Kilkenny, were removed from the league, so two others come in. But the problem is you're bringing teams in who are starting from the foundations again. Like Bow's not alone. Neither of them had senior women's teams, so they had to go and build them this year. You know, both sides had the first year in doing the seventeens league. So for us, it's tough. I think for us, the biggest thing that we need to do before we can even look at even anything in terms of revenue sort of stuff is just get a competitive league, get a, a structured league. Because at the moment, everybody will say it, the top four are probably a good bit ahead of the rest and the mm. rest are playing catch-up. Whereas in the WSL, for years, that was the same case where now you're seeing more and more sides get competitive. Like I know I know some of them are probably have the money as well to spend, but even the players that they're bringing through and they gain that experience, it's, it's, a, it's a massive thing for them that, you know, you, you can develop these top-class players. You have a lot of time with the players, whereas over here, the players are probably training Tuesday, Thursday with a game at the weekend. It's it's a lot harder to, to even close the gap to the top teams. Yeah, I do think there's some things, though, that you, you touched on there that make a big difference and don't actually cost clubs a lot of money. Like putting up a banner, you're already paying for the banner. So sticking a couple of female players in it isn't going to cost you any money. And you saw that, I think, it was in Aston Villa. And they were back playing um, the end of the Premier League. Yeah. And they had like banners up in their stands congratulating the women's team on being promoted. You know, you're seeing a lot more clubs putting their women's players in their promotional stuff. That doesn't cost money. Neither does things like, you know, I think some of the, who was it that was saying, maybe it was Shelburne, um, that they can share some of the facilities with the men's team, you know, and they're able to use their, their kit and their equipment. And like, that doesn't cost money you know, loaning your equipment to when, to the women's team when they're training. Like, there are little things that will help improve the standards. Yeah. Um, and those things need to be kind of done before you start thinking about, like, massive investments and stuff like that. But it will make a huge difference, I think. Yeah. Like, even look at a couple of years ago over here, the, pro- the massive protest where the, the international side nearly didn't play the game because they were being forced to share tracks. It's like one thing for me, and it's a big gripe that I still have, is that any time I see a men's international over here, the men have their initials on the on the tractor top, mm. and the girls don't. Yeah, it's something simple like that. That you know, it stands out. You know, little things like that they stand out. Like I remember talking to I've been talking to players. Like I was talking to Neil Farley of P Men United earlier in the season before the season started about playing in the Rose Bowl against America. Mm. Like she was telling me that she got Rose Lavelle's jersey and like she, she cherishes things like that. But like we were talking about why can't we eventually look at playing someone like that over here? Yeah. Like the Americans travel in massive numbers. People yeah. from the UK would travel over to watch America. People from all over Europe would travel to watch America play in Europe. You know, yeah. like there's things like that. And I, I think we often, as, an, as a nation, even if you're looking at internationals, we sell ourselves short because we don't play many international friendlies at home, things like that. We don't necessarily have that fan base as such. Whereas you look at the, the English Lionesses, Sometimes they might play a friendly in Southampton. They might yeah. play a friendly in Rochdale. They might play a friendly somewhere else. Whereas I've sort of been against the argument that playing games all over the place, competitive games, I'd, I've been, I'd be at the argument that you have to have them in the best facilities where you have available. If they're not going to be in the, the, the national stadium, they have to be in the second best facility. But in terms of playing friendlies, I would even love to see friendlies being played all over the country, get players involved. Like there was an underage Ireland or 15 schools team played the Galway Women's National League under 17 team in a friendly. Probably February, I think it was. There was over a thousand people at that friendly in Galway. Yeah. For an underage friendly, yeah. like, 
you know, and th that's the things when you promote stuff like that, it does have massive impacts. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not gonna, I'm not bashing the FAI here. The FAI have done some amazing things in terms of promoting the women's league before the start the season started for the first time ever. We got every every club squad number and player yeah. before the season started, so I don't have to go chasing looking for this. But like, there's so much, even small things make a, a massive difference in the women's Absolutely. game, and like, yeah, I think touching on that, that kind of thing you were saying about friendlies as well, like over here, every international camp. Um, up until this point, England Lionesses have probably played a friendly in front of a, a crowd against another nation. So it doesn't. We don't just wait for the qualifiers to come along to have games. It, you know, it's and I think um, that doesn't always happen so much. But that is what drives drives the fan base. It's seeing them every what well, there's an international camp every six weeks. You know, if you get to see your team play every six weeks um, during a season. You, you kind of that that builds that anticipation and that en enjoyment and that excitement around them. Mm. Whereas if you only get to see them, you know, if they're playing, I mean, you've got three three qualifiers coming up, right, in Ireland, and two of them are going to be away away from home. So there's only um, if fans are allowed in by that time, there's only the one possibility that they can see their team play over the next until December. Which and again, when you look at the crowds that you've been drawing in in Tala, like people are interested. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And they're growing every time. So, yeah, maybe it's, it's something the FAI can look at, but that you, you do need those, you need, need friendlies, not just for the growth of the fans, but even just for the, the team and the players. And like one, yeah. short, one short fall I will give the FAI on, on, on attendance is that everybody who holds a men's season ticket mm. is entitled to a free ticket to the women's game. So a lot of these don't take them up. Yeah. So you can go out and see empty spaces and you see people tweeting, I would have loved to go to the game. You know, maybe something that they look at that you have a deadline to claim your yeah. ticket. Yeah, definitely. Because you look yeah. at things like that, like, I agree, absolutely. Like, the, the, I, I missed the Greece game recently in March. I, I didn't get, that was the only one, I, the home game I missed. But the Ukraine game, the Montenegro game, there was great atmosphere at them. Like, the Ukraine in particular, you know, where we come back from, where we were two up, then we were come back, then we scored yeah. late on again. Like, that was a, a massive atmosphere. The place was, was rocking that stage, but... As you say, Germany away, Ukraine away. You know, like I spoke to Vera on Friday and she's not 100% convinced the Ukraine game away or the Germany game at home goes ahead this year. Yeah. She's like, she's of the opinion that she'd rather see it not go ahead. She would, she would potentially rather see the Germany game not go ahead either and potentially play them all the starting next year in a bubble. Yeah. Where you can run them off in a, couple, in a, in a quick space of time. Like, I know we'll mention when we speak about the clubs a little bit more, but she mentioned Denise O'Sullivan quite a bit. And one thing she said about Denise is that there is an impending loan deal. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But she said if Denise didn't come back to Europe, Denise would have potentially spent six of the nine next nine weeks in quarantine. Yeah. We're going back to the States, coming back, you know, so she would have had to spend a lot of time in quarantine. Like over here, we don't have an, an elite athlete exemption. Yeah. So the, the camp isn't even going to happen in Ireland. They're going straight to Germany. Like they're going to meet up in Germany because we don't have that. Like There's still a lot of discussions going on whether players, when they come back here, will they have to self-isolate for two weeks, the, the yeah. Women's National League players? Like mm -hmm. over in the UK, you have a seven-day quarantine, but if you pass two COVID tests, you're released. Yeah. For the, we don't. Uh, oh, I was like, what? That's how, that's <laughs> how <laughs> right, 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 okay. So, you know, for, for the elite athletes, at least you have something in place where for us, we yeah, don't yeah. have that. Yeah. And it, it is a worry, but 
I do agree. I do agree that it's it's worrying times as well for the international football being played at this time. Like we were supposed to go to Germany in Mar in March and April, everything was booked, and then and given the, the tournaments being pushed, it's, you, like it's not like you have to get it done by next summer. No, so you know there's no like normally there are international breaks in kind of January and March. So and I think UEFA have shown with this Champions League that you can think about outside the box a bit, and yes. Like teams love their home and away games. It's part of what makes qualifiers qualifiers. But at the same time, we are in an exceptional circumstance, and the idea of bubbling for a week or ten days to get the fixtures done. I mean, you, it might just be the best way possible than, to do it. They're not happening. Absolutely. Like realistically, like you mentioned, Germany game at home, us getting crowds hmm. probably slim, very slim to none. I'm really like, hoping it is. I I'm just doing it selfishly because I just want to trying at home to see it like, uh, if the quarantine's lifted because I can't really afford to do two weeks. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, realistically, we're looking at September the 18th to end any potential changes. So every sport I hear is behind closed doors at the moment. Like, I know, I think it's Lewis are playing a, a I don't know if it's a friendly, a friendly game today. Yeah. They're allowed 100 people at it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's a start over there. Whereas when we, when we had the 200 at the game here for the, for the Women's National League at the start of the season, it was fine. Everybody was spread out. Everybody was was fine. There was no on top of each other. And it's, yeah. it still baffles us. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Like when you think about like the protests that have happened around the world, I mean, particularly in like the UK, you haven't really seen a spike after them in the following weeks after them. So, you know, they're happening outdoors. That's not where the clusters and stuff are happening. The spikes, they're happening indoors, they're happening in factories, they're happening in like pubs you know so it just doesn't make parties and weeping like generalization of any kind of crowds unless of course you're at a wedding or you know a party in your house i don't know the rules are weird but like it just doesn't make any sense it's not no, the only people ab there. absolutely not and like we're, we're just look we're lucky that like even with the Vera, with the Vera Powell media call i expect we might get another one before germany but we don't have the opportunity to speak face to face to things like that but it is it's a weird time that we're in like but just looking ahead for yourselves, next week's the big one. The WSL is back. I can see the smiles on your face. Um, we'll start, I just want to have a, ch a chat about some of the Irish players who are playing it in the WSL at the moment. For me, probably the standout Irish player at the moment, Katie McCabe. Things mightn't have been this way for Katie. I think I was, I'd be of the opinion that she, might, she may have been released if she hadn't had that great loan spell with Glasgow. Yeah. Like, yeah she, she came back and was brilliant. Come yeah. on, like leaps and bounds, like it's been. And I, I think you can uh, see that Joe Montemurro really trusts her as well. Mm. He'll put her. He understands her strengths. Um, she's versatile. She seems to be willing to play in different positions. You, you know, like it, I think they have a really good like player manager. It, it comes across that they do, and that he trusts her. And I think that loan spell at Glasgow definitely did wonders for her because she got first team football. Well, this is it. She's like one of the first people you put down on a team sheet now. Whereas before she was on the bench for Arsenal, she wasn't. You know, you weren't getting to see her play very much. Whereas that that loan spell at Glasgow just changed things. Yeah, and I do think Joe's style really suits her as well. So it's been great. She's just, I think. Being amazing watching her. Yeah, um, and then I think that responsibility with the Irish national team as well. Like I think it's given her an extra something where she's she's so young still and she's captain of of the the national team. So I think it's it's really Maturity. developed her mm -hmm. as a character. She definitely leads, but left definitely leads by example. Like even yourself, she's have got to know her over the last couple of years. I've interviewed her loads of times, and she speaks of someone who's she doesn't speak of someone who's who's so young. 
you know, yeah. she speaks of a mature head, mature head. She always has, even when she was scoring goals for fun, when she was playing with Rahini United, she never really spoke of arrogance or anything like that. It was always calm, cool, composed. Mm-hmm. And I like that about it. That sort of showed your mentality that she was going to go to the next level. Like, I know, I know she could have went to the WSL earlier than she actually went. She was linked to other clubs and it just didn't get the deal done. Like, but just another one who's, who's actually just left Arsenal. You would, also, you would have also had a bit of a conversation with us time to time. Louise Quinn, going to Fiorentina. Like she, she really, when she came to Arsenal, she sort of settled in very well. She was a regular. Just, I think she just, need, at, her, at her age now, she just needs to play football. I don't think she could afford to maybe sit on the bench for, for Arsenal. I'm, yeah, I was gutted she left. And I, Katie did touch on kind of ha- that relationship with her at the club as well really helped having the two of them there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was I was hoping she'd go to another WSL club. I think she could have slotted into another WSL club. Um, but yeah, she just wasn't getting the game time she deserved. I think the great thing about Louise Quinn was that she adapted her game quite a lot in the last couple of years and she became quite a good ball-playing defender. Um, and... I thought she could, I, I mean, for me, she was still one of the best mm. central defenders at Arsenal. I, I, I would have put her in my starting with Leah. with Leah every week. Um, but I mean, as long as she gets to play first in football, I think another experience as well, going to play in Italy is huge. I mean, getting that kind of range of, of experience playing in different countries. She's had Sweden before. Yeah, yeah. I think as well, though, like particularly in the defensive role, you've seen it with other players. If they're not regularly starting, it can knock your confidence. And then when you get that one chance and you make one mistake, you know, you see it, it's, it, it can be frustrating that they need to be kind of playing with their pairing, whoever they're paired up with at the back regularly to kind of really solidify um, mm. their game. So that was, yeah, unfortunate she wasn't getting the start. But I, I think she'll do well yeah. ever in Florence. Yeah, no, I think I think so as well. Like, um, it was good move. It was good move for her. And she she did say that she, she sort of got talking to the coach after the uh, Champions League game. So that you know that sort of shows that they were interested in her from early on. Like for us, selfishly, you just want to see her playing regularly, especially for Ireland, because she is one of our starting centre backs with Diane Caldwell. But just in terms of another defender for Ireland, Harriet Scott, she was in and out of the uh, Birmingham team last year. She's another one who sort of come out of the Ireland starting eleven after having quite a lot of games in it. She potentially just needs to play football as well. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, I mean, I don't know from her situation particularly, but I think the whole situation at Birmingham last season was just a bit, um, a bit ropey. Uh, <laughs> <Classic>. <laughs> um, I, I don't think it was a great um, season for them. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I think there's a lot going on behind closed doors that was um, just impacting. But I think they've got a new manager now. Um, Carla Ward is, I, I mean, she's a top young manager. Yeah, she's great. I think she can really bring the best out of the players. And I think a player like Harriet, as you say, she needs to be playing game time, get game time, week in, week out. Um, I think she's one of the most experienced players on that team at the moment. Mm. Um, so I think she can get it um, and she can get her run of form going. I think that would be great for her. Yeah, I think you'll see that with a lot of the Birmingham players. So you'll, you'll have that kind of, hopefully, that rejuvenation. I think Carla can bring that out in them. So hopefully we'll see more of Harriet on the pitch. There's one player I'm really looking forward to see how she gets on this season. Brighton, Rihanna Jarrett. You've only got to see her in the FA Cup once. She scored twice. Yeah. I've been watching her for years. I know she's had a, a horrific injury time when she's done the ACL three times, twice on one knee and once on the other. She had she went she come back from the third one and she she got injured in Poland playing for Ireland. She done her foot and missed the rest of the season. She still nearly finished top scorer that season, but like an absolute diamond of a person. A brilliant footballer, yeah. and I think she's somebody who 
Brighton probably probably need it. You know, yeah. soon if you get her going fully, like you see what she's done against Ukraine, probably yeah. her breakout performance against the Ukraines. I think she's someone who could really have a big impact at WSL this year. And as you say, like Bryson needed a, a goal scorer to be consistent, and I think um, she's had a bit of time to settle in now. Just yes, she started. She came in January, didn't she? So she only had like a couple of games, and then obviously everything stopped. But I think um, I think she could really hit the gap ground. I think this season, I think they they desperately needed a kind of a strong goal scorer, um, someone with good numbers as well. You know. And she definitely, she definitely does that. Yeah. She scores, scores, scores for fun, doesn't she? So. Yeah, for years she has. But like one thing that one thing that I was a bit concerned that she only got a six month deal originally, and then you're sort of worrying: are you, is playing that FA Cup game going to be enough to get her a new deal? So obviously they've seen something from her. Like yeah. Hope Powell would have watched her a couple of times. Hope Powell would have been a regular enough in Tallis Stadium for international games. So. You know, she'd be over scouting players. Obviously, at the time she when she was there, she had the likes of Sophie Perry was at Brighton as well. Yeah. Even Megan Connolly was there, and Marie Horham would have been another one there. But yeah, no, I'd be hoping Rihanna would hit hit the ground running. And I think she's someone who, if she starts scoring goals this season, that she could push Brighton up. But yeah. just an, another Brighton player who hasn't hasn't had the luck in the last couple of years, though. Um, Megan Connolly, she's been having a lot of injuries. Mm. Talented footballer. A lot of people tipped her to do well in the NWSL draft when she won the college championship with Florida State University, but it sort of didn't materialise. She wanted to come back to Europe. But she's nothing you just hope can get a bit of injury free. Yeah, I mean, it's just for her about getting that, again, that game time It's um, and staying healthy, I yeah. think. I think you've seen like, flashes of what she can do in, in games, um, but it just hasn't quite been regular enough, you know, in terms of her, her fitness or her health. So, yeah. Hopefully, she just needs a run of games. Hopefully, this kind of longer period time off for those who are, who've had those run of injuries has been useful for them to get back in like tip top shape and have a good season ahead of them. Yeah, I mean, no. we are hearing just in general from across the league is that the players are coming back in in, in top condition really shape, yeah. because they they've I mean obviously they trained on their own for a bit until the season was cancelled, but they've had a real like you don't often get it in women's football where you have a break like they've just had. Um, and you're normally like they might get two off two weeks off in the summer if they're lucky. I mean, if tournament football happens, yeah. then you've got another run of games that you have to, to go with. So it's given them a real time to refresh their bodies and their minds a bit, I think. Just before I do mention the, the, the news that dropped from the Vera Powell media call on Friday that made the world made the, the, the world on social media. I just want to talk about you saying the break, the lockdown for yourselves. Um you were involved in a lot of other journalists who've done a, a superb raising, a fundraising effort. Like you see, um, I'll let you just talk a little bit more about it. You've seen a lot of footballers get involved as well. You see, I think a lot of them done was 100K, 100K in a month. Yeah. Yeah, just, like, just let you, you tell the listeners a little bit about that because that's something that I've seen and I was, I was quite intrigued. It was a great cause and a, a worthwhile. Yeah, I think it's for a cause that's very um, close to the women's football world, especially with the Derby Rimmer um, M&D Association. Um, yeah, so as journalists, we got together as a press back and said we'd, we'd um, so, uh, contribute. So we did 100k. Well, us. so all the players were doing 100k in a month, which is great if you're an athlete. Um, but that works out <laughs> as like 5k five times a week. Um, and, you know, we had been doing exercise and stuff yeah. during lockdown, like other bits as well. Um, but I, I had to shield, which meant we both had to shield. Um, so we, weren't, we couldn't go outside and run. 
Um, so we luckily were able to borrow a treadmill, but there was no way I could run 5K five times a week on a treadmill. The treadmill just like completely messes with you. So I think we managed to combine to do 140K. Yeah. But basically a lot of us in the journalist pack, we kind of committed to about 100K. Um, and I think some people were either going to cycle and run or, you know, do a bit of both. Some people just ran and we just clocked up as much as we could. So we ended up doing, I think, 3,000 kilometers in total when we pledged 2,000. So that was good. And we hit our target of um, 5,000 pounds. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was good. And it was, it was nice to see. It was something for to kind of keep you going, especially during lockdown. And But also, I think it was just a really, like, in general, across the whole of, like, the women's football community, it was happening by a lot of different players, mm-hmm. managers, just everyone was kind of getting involved in it. So it was really something quite, I don't know, fun and good. Yeah, good it was a well. really good cause and nice to see somebody yeah. getting involved. Like we've seen a couple over here. We've seen a couple over here. Um, Izzy Atkinson of Shelburne done 100K in seven days. Mm. Um, oh, Jesus. The, Cor- the Cork City women done, done I think it was 19 marathons in a day between them. Two players, Becky Casson and Ava O'Mahony ran a marathon each. And DLR Waves done a thousand a thousand yeah. kilometers for charity as well. Like a lot of them done a lot a lot of great stuff, and that was great to see. You know, a lot of a lot of great causes benefited through the lockdown, through a lot of money yeah. being raised. But yeah, no, we we've sort of kept this one that we said we mentioned it a few minutes ago. Vera Powell, I don't know whether she should have dropped it, but she did drop it in a media conference. Announced that Denise O'Sullivan is going to Brighton. Like, it's an awful it's an awful bubble dropped for for a club that. <laughs> This would have been massive news. It would have been all over socials over here, especially if it comes out, because you'd have had quotes from Denise, stuff like that. But the come, when it come from Vera Powell, I, was, I wasn't shocked. I'd heard the rumour, but what a signing to be coming to the WSL, even if it is only short term. Like, we've seen some big American names coming through, but for the standout Irish player to come over. I think it's huge for, for Brighton. Um, as a lot of quality. I mean, we all know she's a top quality mm-hmm. player, and... Uh, what she's been doing over in America. So um, I, th- I think it's only good for Brighton. Um, I think it just gives them a real impetus that they need. They've, they've done well over this transfer window, I think. Yeah. Um, they've signed a good, a good handful of players. Um, they've obviously got Lee Human from, on loan from Manchester City as well. So they've got some real top quality going there. And I think Denise will only add to that kind of quality in terms of trying to push them up the table going forward. Yeah, you t- and you touched earlier on them kind of building foundations and they did have a good core, but it felt like they were just kind of missing that spark. And I think those the players they've signed, particularly with um, Denise and Rihanna, it's going to be, I think it can really, like you said earlier, push them up the table. I'm just excited to have another Irish player here, and especially one of that calibre. It's going to be great to watch. Two Cork accents in, in Brighton will be a bit of a, a, bit of a <laughs> tough one. Yeah. <laughs> she'll struggle she struggles with the cork accent so <laughs> i'll put her in all the interviews <laughs> you're, dead. you're dead right but no that's a it's a great move for denise and even if it is we don't know when the nwsl is back so it could be for the season or it could be till, till january they're saying potentially april may but obviously with the way things are going in america it could be could be longer so for, for the likes of denise vera did mention that she would have spent six of the next nine weeks in quarantine so it was important to even keep players like that. Like you look at even Heather Payne is still in America with Florida State University. So she's going to have to go back in quarantine and she's going to be in every squad. She could be facing with the same issue as well. Yeah. Like she did have a spell with Bristol City a couple of years ago. But like the quarantine rules are they're there for a reason. And it's great to see that so things like this are happening for for that. But like even, even if you look at when, when the girls come up together to meet in Germany just so they don't have to quarantine in Ireland for two weeks, she was saying that they have a good base with the four or five pitches for themselves. Yeah. So they have a lot of space there. But like even 
even looking at some of the other WSL players, like she was she was mentioning Megan Campbell, uh, Megan Campbell and Tyler Toland in her in her in her interview. Obviously, we've we've now learned Tyler's injured again. She has a boot in her foot. Um, extremely disappointed on that. I'd like to see her go out on loan, play regular football. I think she needs it. At City now at the moment with the players they've signed, she'll struggle for game time and she needs to play regularly and good to see Megan making the bench yesterday. Yeah, um, I mean, so pleased to see yeah. Megan back. back. I mean, her, yeah. she's another one, isn't she, where it's just those injuries just seem to just come pretty regularly and just kind of stop every consistent flow that she can get going. Um, but I mean especially in that city squad at the moment, I think she could add add a lot. If she can stay fit, um, I mean, yesterday, they def- defensively, they struggled mm. a little bit, um, especially down that side. So I, th- I think um, she can stay healthy, fit and healthy. I think she's got every chance to get, get herself in, in there and, and sort of stake down a claim for a spot. It'd be so good to see her. Not just playing regularly, but just playing football again, just to get to see her. Like, I'm glad she's back and hopefully... Yeah. Injury-free. Absolutely. absolutely. Like, that's the one that we always want as players to just stay <laughs> regularly free. Now, the last time I was I watched this player playing the WSL, I'm not going to lie, I probably am a little bit biased towards her because I've been good friends with her. But the last time I watched Grace Maloney playing the WSL, I brought my little sister over to Kings Meadow to watch her play against Chelsea. Sam yep. Kerr's debut. She only lasted, I think it was 16 minutes. My little sister asked me, asked me at halftime, can she come back on? She didn't really understand at the stage what had, what had gone on. Um, Reading's Grace Maloney, she sort of lost her place then because Rachel lost had a couple of good performances and you can understand you can't really take a goalkeeper out if she has good performances, but they've signed a new New Zealand goalkeeper in there as well. A lot of competition for Grace. She's still in and around the Ireland squad. It's going to be, it's, it's be interesting to see if she can keep her number one spot. I hope she does, but a keeper for me, I, can't, I struggle to believe she only has two Ireland caps. Yeah, yeah, I do too. Um, yeah. I think she's. I think her problem is not being able to keep that number one spot in the Reading side. And you mentioned it before. Like she went off on loan a few years ago to to Villa. Um, she's had to sort of really battle for that for that place at Reading. Um, but I, I think she's top 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 quality goalkeeper. And when she gets a run of form going. Yeah, she's she, my number one. Yeah, and that's it. It's getting that consistency, isn't it? Because she's we've seen it before, where she'll just have some absolutely superb games, and you just think if you're playing, getting that starting week in week out, that's that's all you'd see. So, I mean, you see that kind of a lot as well. A lot of clubs are signing goalkeepers, and a lot of big clubs in in the WSL have you know at least two like first place goalkeepers. I don't know. I I wouldn't want to be a goalkeeper in this day and age. There's so many yeah. good ones out there. Um, no, but I do love Grace and that. You know that welcome for Sam Kerr. We definitely brought that up uh, a couple of times with some of the Australian players that we were speaking to last week at the media day. And <laughs> um, yeah, because that's the one thing people always say about English football when they've played in the US or Australia or Europe. It's very physical, which is uh, <laughs> it's a good way of summing it up. But now, like I, I've, I think I've only I haven't watched another WSL game that hasn't involved Grace at the moment. But like every time I go over, even the family, the family is superb to me. They always have been like. But, you know, I've, I've built up a relationship with her for the last, what, seven, eight years, you know. I've really got to know her, got to know the family. And, like, even you look at you look at it, no matter what the heartbreak is, she always just keeps going, she keeps yeah. going. She always has a smile on her face, you know. Yeah. And to start a person, like, I even texted her. She didn't reply to me this morning when I said that I had you girls on. She said they, they had a friendly this morning. But, like, every every I've talked to a couple of people and I said, you, you had on, you had yous on, and everyone's like, they're all, they all give me positive things. They all, you know, because they all love 
having even doing interviews with like yourself. She's one of the hardest people to ever get an interview out of. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, no, we, we want to interview her, wouldn't we? Yeah, definitely. We wanted to do, we were hoping to do a few um, Irish players in the lead up to St. Patrick's Day. We wanted to do some fun content, but we only managed to get time to do um, Lou, and Lou and Katie. Katie. But it's definitely something I want to do more of. Yeah, for sure. And we've no. been doing a, a fair bit of the FAI Yeah, now I've seen that. You've been doing superb. You've, you've some, you've, the video interviews with Maeve DeBurke, Catherine Cronin, who's an absolute saint over here, considering she's working in the hospital as well you had jess zoo what else was yeah. that was that it oh, yeah oh, you on you as well yeah oh, she got 100, 100 caps now for ireland on you yeah Super Super player. as well which we still to edit uh that's another one yeah six six i think you know like that they're great like and they're great when they come out easier you know, it's more con the more content like stuff like that because it's a video stuff it's going to grip you straight away you're going to watch it and things like that but even you've spoke to a couple of managers as well. You've seen the written stuff as well. Like it's great when you see when you see all of that sort of stuff. And like even the Irish stuff, the Louise Quinn stuff, and Katie McCabe stuff. Like that was brilliant. You know, like it's great to have even the like just when you see more Irish people because a lot of people, unless you're realist, unless you're massive soccer fans, when when these sort of players are playing abroad, you don't hear about them as lot. You know, yeah. same way. In the, in the UK, I'm not, you wouldn't know how many would list would read or watch stuff. When you put it up, they're going to watch it because they get intrigued. And it's, like, there's so many women's football. The best thing about it is there's so many different stories to tell. Yeah, you know, and it's it's great like that. Like, I was at the FA Cup final last year, um, when Man City played West Ham, and obviously oh, yeah. you'd got Leanne on one side and you got Megan on the other, Megan on the other side. I was so, I'm not going to lie. I was sort of hoping. I started watching the semi-final between Reading and West Ham, thinking, "I hope Reading get through here." <laughs> with my with my, with my Reading hat on, because obviously I'd, I'd love to. See, I always told Grace if she got to a cup final, I'd be there to watch it in a harpy. Yeah. You know, so like that's the sort of thing. And even this year as well, I was planning going again, but unfortunately, stuff happened. But like, just in terms of even some of the other players we have, um, the WSL, the one who's probably. Taking a bit of time to grow into, but she's growing in quite well. Leanne Kernan. I yeah. still don't think you've seen half of what she's capable of. You see flashes of it and you kind of know, like, when she gets going, it's going to be, it's going to be good. Yeah. We've seen her a couple of times now. Yeah. And she's, she definitely stood out when she played. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think she's definitely one to watch. Um, she just needs, yeah, some more, more game time, I think. And you can really see what she's about. Mm. Like even in terms of physically, you can see she's getting a little bit bigger. She's been in. You can see she's in the gym and she's working hard. Like that's the one thing with these like nimble players. They have to, you know, they have to. And this sort of league, as you said, with the Grace Welcome and Sam Kerr, it is <laughs> yeah. physical, you know. So you, you do have to you do have to be fit, be strong, and be physical. But also also at West Ham, Courtney Courtney Bronson, yeah. she could have a, a tough job retaining that getting in there this year. They brought in a very good goalkeeper at West Ham. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be tough, but I guess, I mean, competition is good, right? And it pushes you on, especially, I think, goalkeepers always have that competition. They, they feel kind of unique between each other, but it pushes them on to be better as well. Yeah. And she'll have a fight, yes. She will have a fight on hands with the spot. But, I mean, I think it, it, having someone good beside you as well just drives you on to one better. But there's a lot of games as well, you know? Yeah. We've got the FA Cup, the Conti Cup and the League. So, you know, more often than not, you see here a keeper will get the cup games and a keeper will get the league games. So it's just 
I mean, like you say, yeah, it pushes the competition. And I think that's probably one of the things and one of the reasons why we're seeing the standard of goalkeeping improving so much. I definitely think for her, though, getting her first Ireland cap against Montenegro probably was a massive lift. I know she didn't do a lot in the game, but that would have been a massive lift. Like she coming When she come back into us, having played, played in the half and she was with America underage teams and stuff like that. So for him to get her first cap, like that would have been massive for her. Sure. I mean, that debut, I mean, we were talking to Jessica um, and she was talking about her debut and you can just tell how much it gives you that that buzz for players to be able to get on that pitch and wear their Ireland jersey, even on you as well. Yeah. Talking about when she made her first, first start and she, you could just hear the emotion in her, in her voice and how much that kind of pushes you on and lets you. So. And like confidence is important for any player, but especially as a goalkeeper. So, you know, get that, that's just an, another string to your bow, isn't it? Getting mm-hmm. your, your, your Ireland cap will give you that extra kind of boost. Be good for her. Yeah, no, and obviously there's not too many I want more I want to just talk about. I won't keep us too much longer. But one thing we, we have to touch on, Nifahi for me, being made Liverpool captain, she's a massive Liverpool fan as far as I know as well. A massive honour for to be made captain of a club like that. Yeah, um, amazing. Like, um, I know Sophie had to kind of step away from it for a while, but like no better kind of person to take her place than, than me. Yeah, and I think the important thing for Liverpool this season, well, they have to come back up. I mean, and no question they have to yeah. to get back into the WSL and they'll be striving to do that. Um, and I, I think you saw it in flashes last year with Liverpool where they have a really good team, but they just weren't gelling. And I think to have someone like Neve with all the experience that she has um, leading from the back, um, I just think that can only be, be a good thing because... They're gonna need it <laughs> yeah. to, to make sure that they achieve their goals. It's, You're gonna, it's, yeah. it's gonna, you know, it's gonna, it's been a rocky time for Liverpool, and they're gonna need that that um, strength and leadership. So important getting the the armband to the right person, and I think they did that with me. Having been someone who's watched her quite a bit, finish finish this question for me because it annoys me a little bit. Centre back or centre midfielder? I, I mean, favorite, but yeah, I actually think midfield. I'd put her in midfield. I just think you can cover up. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it kind of depends if you be paired with at the back. Like, um, she is solid, solid tackler. Like, for me, um, really, for me, realistically, I would like, I, for Ireland, I'd love to see her and Louise Quinn as the centre, centre-back pairing. Right. And rather than have her playing in the hole, I'd rather see the yeah. two of them as the centre-back because Diane Caldwell started further out and then she got pushed back. But I think them two are, for Ireland will be solid as centre-backs. And it's something that I've always said. And I even seen when you read the press release from, from Liverpool, they're saying centre-back. Yeah. You know, and, and she's playing centre-midfield for Ireland. I just think she be, should offer a lot more in the, in the centre-back position. I, I, I think, the, I mean, the reason why I probably go more midfield at the moment is, is as she's, I think she's a really good sweeper. And she has that tactical knowledge. Um, and whereas I think if she's the last line of defence, it can sometimes maybe go a little bit wrong. Um, but I think she can do better. That's what I was saying. It depends yeah. on with, with Lou as well. I yeah. Think. Yeah. That could be a really good pair. Yeah. Just another championship club that's come to mind this year because they have a new Irish manager. They've brought in two, well, one player who's been in the squad a couple of times and one player who we don't know a lot about yet. Um, London City Lioness is bringing in Lisa Fallon as head coach from Chelsea. Lisa's mm-hmm. been raved about over here. I've, I was lucky I had a conversation with her last year's cup final, just chatting football for a couple of minutes, and you can even just understand her knowledge. She worked with 
Michael O'Neill for Northern Ireland for the men for the men's senior team as a as an opposition and analyst worked with Cork City men as a coach. She brought in Haley Nolan, who would have been in the Ireland squad a little, a little bit, and Ali Murphy, who we wouldn't yeah. know a lot about. Haley was actually announcing was it a BT a BT Sports program that they were going to run? They announced thirty one players the other day. Oh yeah, yeah, ultimate the um, ultimate goal thing. Yeah. Was that to do with trying to find a WSL club or how was? No, it, it's um. So they were giving it's a just a reality talent search program, and they were giving. Um, 31 players the opportunity to train I think it was filmed over 10 days and they they trained under Enya Luko, Rachel Branthinus and the Kamita sisters um, and it got cut from 31 down to 16 and then they play in a high profile match against a team we don't know which team it was yet and there were scouts there um, so I don't know if scouts picked up players from that but um, it, it was just a general sort of talent search looking at the journeys of these players. So yeah. it, would say, it would say potentially that Hayley was picked up because of that, considering she went to sign for London City. Lionesses not long to the day. Yeah, maybe, yeah. Well, obviously... That's, it's an interesting club, London City Lionesses. I'm intrigued to see um, to see them this season. Yeah, I think I think they, um, they had a pretty solid first season as a club, but it, it takes time, doesn't it, to bed in. And, and they were sort of a kind of new entity, um, a new sort of... Completely new. Yeah, they were trying to do format and new it's different. Yeah, to anything else, I think pretty much. So um, it's going to be interesting to see. But they've made quite a few. They kept quite a lot of their squad. They've made a few signings this year. I'm very interested to see what, yeah. what they do. There's one player I am looking forward to seeing in the championship this year. Hasn't been officially announced. Um, Ireland ex under 19 captain Megan Mackey is going to play in the WSL championship this year. Um, like, I have been told, I can't tell you the club. She's uh, it looks like she's going to line out for Lewis this year. Um, exciting talent. Spent the year last year in college in America at Harvard. Obviously, because of the restrictions, isn't going to be going back. But for me, she's somebody who has a lot of promise, showed an awful lot of talent at underage Ireland. Played with Brighton and Chelsea's underage teams growing up. So someone with a lot of ta- someone with a lot of ability and going in the right direction. She's someone who I potentially could see in the next maybe 18 months been in an Ireland senior camp yeah um, I saw her play in Portugal I think in a pre-season underage friendly um, when they did those tournaments over there in January and I mean she, she certainly has all of the the uh, capability at her disposal she um, just needs some game time again yeah and I think you know as much as we'd love to have all of the Irish stars playing in Ireland I think at the moment having them come to the clubs in WSL and the FWC the championship um, is only going to be hugely beneficial for the national team. And, you know, more the national team then improves, that filters down hopefully then to, to the league as well. So good to see those young players getting picked up and, you know, then there's potential for them to be, you know, moving up into WSL clubs as well. Absolutely. Like I expect to see a couple of more going the next year to, year to two years. You're looking at, you're looking at your near Farley's at Mount. Obviously, Jess Sue, who you used to talk to, yeah. Isabel Atkinson, Emily Whelan's another one who could go from Shelburne. The new young kid on the block, Ella Malloy. I watched her for the first time yesterday. Yeah. I can see why people are raving about her at such a young age on the ball. She's not afraid to skip past a couple of players. You know, um, a lot of potential, a lot of potential there. But just going to finish with this one. Obviously, as we mentioned at the start, eight years, eight years doing this, you've seen a lot of Irish players. Give us your thoughts on just some of your favourite Irish players who you've seen throughout the years? Because obviously you would have even seen the likes of Emma Byrne playing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, I mean, Emma Byrne was 
probably one of the standout, wasn't she? I mean, she was, she led the line in terms of, of Irish playing over here in, in, in a lot of ways. I mean, her quality in, in goal at Arsenal was just, you know, and the way that everyone raved, like yeah. all of her teammates speak about her, all of her, like people who played against her speak about her. It's, she, her name always comes back up when, when they talk about you know, goalkeepers and yeah. then and then you've got the likes of like Kira Grant and Vaughan Tracy and they're still talked mm-hmm. about now in the annals of Arsenal. You know, the the especially with the Irish players, they still talk about them. They've been yeah big. Um and then more recently I guess we probably have a soft spot for, for Katie and Lou. Um just because we, you know, I don't know, we we don't say this very often, but people probably know we are Arsenal fans. So um getting to see them play there was, was great as well. They've they've been great to see grow in this league. I think with Katie as well, seeing her development, we touched on it earlier, but seeing that development from when she came into Arsenal to now, um, I think it's been great to, to witness and mm. a really joy to see in like, what, she's 24? So she's only got, she's got so much more that she can do in this game. And I think that she can only be an exciting prospect. And we saw Anya Gorman when she lined up for yeah. Doncaster Bell. And we saw Stephanie Roach, yeah. you know. I've been very lucky. <laughs> I, just get, I just get excited when I get to the Irish players. I don't care who they are anymore. You've probably, you've, probably, you've, you've probably seen a couple as well when the, when the Scottish side's played in the Champions League. Like the likes of your Claire Shines. For me, yeah. she's, she's probably the next one who could go to the WSL. Yeah. If, she could stay he- if she could stay healthy and fit, she could be the next one for me to go. Like I would yeah. probably say she's... She's right up there at the moment with the, the, the best pure finishers in Irish football. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's, a, I was going to say that, but the um, the talent coming through Ireland these days is just, you know, you look at these players and they're starting to make a real name for themselves, whether they stay in Ireland or they come over to the East Shores or, you know, to Europe. But there's there's so much talent that you can draw on, especially through the youngsters now. That's what I was gonna say, um, especially youth level. It's so exciting because it means you look at those players and they've got like fifteen years left in them up more to, to play. So and to see them coming through at seventeen, it just means got it could mean great things for the national squad particularly. Yeah. Like we we yesterday yesterday we celebrated Kylie Murphy off Wexford Youths made a two hundredth league appearance. Like being there since the start, we're trying to calculate now. We reckon a couple of other players are close, but like even things like that. If you're saying them, they had that when the league started. Now, you're, as you're saying there, if some of the youngsters stay in the league for the next 15 years, yeah. they could break even more. Like it's, yeah. it's it's exciting times ahead in terms of international football. But I think for all of us, we just want football to be safe at the moment and yeah. to actually have football for the next couple of couple of months. Because I know I missed it terribly. I'd say you girls did as well because I've been lucky, as I said, to get to a couple of games where. Only one of you could get to the Community Shield yesterday and, you know, hopefully coming going forward just can get to even more games. But I won't keep as much longer on the podcast today. I really do appreciate it and thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having us. It's been lovely. Always happy to to talk about Irish football and and any football over here as well. It's just been a a nice Sunday chat.